The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say... You are in for a treat with today's episode. Um, It's actually funny. Before we started recording, I was venting to Kelsey about how I'd had like a stressful day and I was overwhelmed with stuff and I just wasn't feeling great today. And after talking with Jennifer, I feel like a whole new person. I feel Mm -hmm. renewed. I feel like I have like a better understanding of the person I want to be in my life. Um, So I think this will probably have a similar effect for you. It must. It must. I'm just going to go with that. Um, But Jennifer from JB Skin Savvy is her brand. She's been everywhere. um, And it's really cool. She's kind of flown under the radar, but she's very well connected to the point that she is the go-to skin person for none other than Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama and others, to name a few. Oh my gosh. She's been in every publication you could possibly imagine. But the coolest thing about her, and truly, like, I think what makes her cool is she's done everything and she's been everywhere. And you would never know it. She's not the one telling that story. She flies under the radar. She's so calm, cool, and collected. And... Yeah, she's just absolute goals. For anyone that doesn't know JB Skin Savvy, um, they are a skincare line that aims to create safe, simple, and sustainable skincare products that reveal the natural beauty of healthy skin. And what you'll hear in this episode is how she thinks of skincare and beauty as a holistic entity, right? It goes into, you know, what you're eating. It's how you feel about yourself. It's your confidence. And she literally says in this interview, it's not about who has the most perfect skin. It's who walks into the room with the best energy. And I just think if that's not, you know, one of the many life lessons from this episode, I don't know what is. Honestly, I'm still like, we just finished recording and and now we're doing our intro and like, I'm still kind of just in a state of like (laughs) shock. Like I feel like this intro, we're both kind of just like, what just happened? This woman's amazing. So let's just, let's just get into the episode. Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited for today's episode. We've got Jennifer from JB Skin Savvy with us. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. Ah, the feeling is mutual. So you've done a lot in your career. And I think to set the stage for our conversation, it would be great if you could just kind of outline the timeline of all the different things that you've done in your career for us. Oh, I love this. Um, So first of all, I'll divulge my age because I have no issues with that. I am 47, I think, and I'm going on 48. I always forget how old I am, but The one thing I'm not is an overnight success. Um, And I think it's important to say because a lot of people will read about me and think it's an overnight, wow, where did she come from? Mm. So I wanted to be uh, a lawyer. That was my wish, my whole, you know, as I went to kindergarten with a suitcase, hoping that like a leather, like it was, I had a suit and the whole thing. That's amazing. Um, And then, yeah, I I was a very strange child. And then come fast forward into high school uh, my best friend's mother passed of, of cancer. And it's, it's a true story. Um, and when Jillian passed 
it, it affected me in a way because she was very vivacious like she loved life and she really loved like perfume and talked about skin and she was really into this whole concept of eating and what your skin looks like there was this big correlation for her and these these are the years you know where we were drinking lots of kool-aid for real like you know what i mean like it was the sugar rush and the jelly the all the candy and having like sleepovers and she would be like girls this is not good for your skin and so it was very strange. She passed and fast forward a couple of years after that, I had this epiphany where I knew I wasn't meant to do that. So all this dream of going to Dalhousie University and studying criminal, it just everything. And I thought, I'm going to go into skincare, <laughs> um, wow. much to my parents' dismay. <laughs> Can you imagine? So I had to announce to my parents that I wasn't going to go to university and I was going to do a technical program in skin. And they were like, hmm. what? And I said, no, this is this is where I need to be and I'm going to teach it. And my parents literally said, be the best and go for it. So I did that. And then I did my bachelor's degree in teaching and I taught for seven years. Now, when I was teaching, I was teaching chemistry, biology. I was uh, very geeky about how products work and how they interact with the skin. But very rapidly, I felt like, I don't know, I, I was a great teacher, but I felt like I could do more. I wanted to impact people mm -hmm. more. I didn't feel like, like I was able to, I, if you're not excited about learning, there's only so much I can bring to the table. You know, I can try to get mm -hmm. that flame, that passion, but if you don't have it within, it's really difficult. So I thought, this is gonna rapidly be not enough for me. So in 2003, I started my first business um, and created a machine called Max. And uh, I, I did that with my husband and it was a true invention out of my brain with lots of research. Uh, Max was launched in 2003 and very rapidly we were in about 40 countries around the world. So that was my wow. first real deep dive into owning a business. And I learned a lot, we made many mistakes. Uh, you know, we spent too much money. We grew too fast. We thought the money would last forever. And then 2008 hit and um, we almost lost the house and everything we owned because oh we were, you know, we put all our eggs in one basket, all our eggs in one basket, like our mm -hmm. biggest distributors. And when 2008 and 2009 hit with the recession, our biggest distributors went bankrupt. And so they couldn't pay wow. us. And wow. it was great. It was great, actually. And then um, in a good way, you know, and then in two and then after that was when I realized I needed to open a skincare clinic because, well, there were two reasons. One, we had to pay the bills <laughs> and what a better way to pay bills than with my right. My trade, I, I could work with my hands. So I opened a first skincare clinic. Mm -hmm. But as I, I always joke around, if I even if I opened a smoothie stand, I could never just have one smoothie stand, right? So you always think it's going to be super simple, but then you want to make it big and you want to make it special. So I opened a first skincare clinic and um, that was a great adventure. Opened a second one in Montreal and then very rapidly realized it was time to start working on the skincare line. So everything in my career has led me to where I am today, even all the mistakes. And everything I've done has led me uh, in the right direction to be ready for what I'm doing now. But every step has been about skin in one shape or form, but it wasn't overnight and it's been uh, several years now. So I've been doing this now since 1995. Yeah, that's, that's not an overnight success, but what I love about this is no. something that 
Um, we learned way back when we first started at Shopify and it was how developers would approach a, a new product that they were going to build. And they had to be so obsessed with the problem right. that they were solving. And if that would help them evaluate all the potential mm-hmm. solutions, the methods to get there. But as long as they were so sure on the problem they were solving, they were, you know, on the right path. And I'm curious for you, like, Right. Even when, you know, you're listening to Jillian and she's talking about, oh, you can't eat that. It's going to be bad for your skin. How did that turn from like, oh, yeah, she's just nagging me about the candy I'm eating to like, I'm going to do this for a living? <laughs> I became obsessed. I became obsessed with this concept of, I, I feel like self-care is overused now, so I don't want to use that word. But this idea of, you know, I came from a place where uh, you you had a budget you know, you didn't buy these fancy things. And if you got some good stuff, you put it away, you know, for a rainy day or for an emergency or Mm -hmm. something. Do you know what I mean? So this concept of, you know, and she brought me this idea of like getting the duvet, getting the good sheets and using them. And that was revolutionary for me. I was like, and even to this day, I'm a nut. Like you should see my bedding. I'm, I'm completely crazy. <laughs> but it was this idea of, and then understanding that taking care of your skin wasn't about being self-absorbed. It mm-hmm. wasn't. And that if inside you felt really good and you were doing all that you could, it would show on the outside. So you could literally be somebody, maybe not the best looking woman in the room, but if you were happy and you felt good about yourself, you would just shine up that space. And that excited me. And I wanted to be able to do that for women. And I just became obsessed. So I would see people and be like, oh my goodness, like you've got this going on. And and I was always trying to connect the dots. What could we do? Or what could I do to make you feel better? So it's really about connecting with people and empowering Mm -hmm. women and men. I treat more women than men, but so it was that connection where I felt Mm -hmm. that she was able to show me by her caring Mm -hmm. and giving me advice, how I was better able to take care of myself. And in doing so, I was more powerful within myself. I had more confidence. And I thought, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to share and and just make women super powerful. So it's like a superpower, really. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love where you're coming from with this. So... Can you talk to me a little bit about what that process was like after the recession and you start to build your skin clinic? How are you building your clientele? What did that look like? It was actually the hardest thing almost that I've ever done because I'm from a small town uh, in the suburbs of Quebec where everyone speaks French, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, But I went to English school. So I was never that girl who... So everyone in the area that you would solicit, I couldn't because I didn't really know them. And then I have three daughters. So my girls didn't play soccer. They didn't play hockey. So I wasn't part of the cool crowd in my neighborhood. So I couldn't even go to the other moms and say, hey, come encourage me. So yeah, I'm so silly. And so what ended up happening is we created, I created a skin bar Now, keep in mind, I created this skin bar in 2009 when no one was doing skin bars. Mm -hmm. And then we had this really jazzy menu where you would come up to the bar. And then we, I don't believe in like a a specific facial. So I'm like, I don't believe in a hydrating facial, blah, blah, blah. So my facials were always custom. So I think Mm -hmm. that I got noticed because I was so bizarre. I was so like, no one really understood what we were 
Mm. Um, and so it was a challenge. And what I realized very rapidly, I had a, a journalist find me by accident, honestly. And she said, what are you doing? You need to be in Montreal. And within weeks, mm-hmm. I found a space in town. And then with Montreal, I exploded because I had a bigger you know, group of people I could solicit that I couldn't in my hometown. In my hometown. So in 2005, I won the most innovative prize in Paris for the innovation and the advanced technology of my machine that I created, Max. And in my hometown, I'd said to them, could you do like a little thing? Like I'm talking about the local paper that's free. Like, do you know what I mean? Like a little thing. And they said, nah, we're not interested in that. Joking. And in Australia, you know, and in 2010 in Australia, there was a mention of us like in Harper's Bazaar. In 2010, there was a mention of us in, um, in Vogue. And I'm, again, going to my local paper saying, hey, please, little thumb. And they're like, yeah, nah. So it just wasn't the right, do you know what I mean? Oh, my gosh. So Montreal, I ha- so this was an instance where because of the way I work and I'm kind of ahead of things, I had to be in, in Montreal. And then it, it got better. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. Yeah, so I want to I want to go one step back and let's talk about Max a little yeah. bit, right? Like you touched on something I think is so yeah. interesting. You can't control the environment and the state of commerce yeah. globally, right? And so I think no, right. this is something that, you know, with a lot of people preaching that recessions are coming or market corrections are coming, this is something that's highly relevant right now. Talk me through like developing Max and yeah. like the first iteration. How did you come up with the idea and what did prototyping look like? Like, take us back to that moment in time. Yeah. So I always wanted, I used to always tell my students that there'd be a day where we would treat the skin with respect and integrity. And the reason I say that is that a lot of times in our industry, there's a lot of contraindications to lots of technologies. So if you're pregnant or if you have an autoimmune disease or depending on the color of your skin, there's so many contraindications. And, and at the same time, we, we, we always create harm. You know, from a young age, you're told as a girl, you know, the more it hurts, the better it looks. And it's okay to have pain because you're going to, you know, just think of back in the day, the streaks with that bonnets and the pulling of, it was insane. So you have this idea that if it hurts, it works. And if it doesn't, it, 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 it can't do anything. And so I strongly believe that there was a way to stimulate collagen and do things without creating harm. And with LED technology, you can so way back, back then, I had gotten the opportunity, I would do consulting for private companies. And I went to Germany, and I went to France, and I went all over Switzerland. And I did a lot of research. And I knew that if we worked with the correct wavelengths of light, that we could create a device and work in a non-ionizing way. So non-ionizing is very important, because if you ionize a cell, you can cause a mutinous or a cancerous cell, and that's not what we want to do. So this technology was safe for everyone. It causes no okay. harm, no heat. So anyways, so that was the beauty of Max. And we were the first in the world to have a device with multiple wavelengths, meaning different colors of light. So to make it very simple, we were working with a rainbow, you know, all the colors of the visible light spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Canada, it was a no-go. And it was, I, I had the courage to go do a trade show in California. And that was the key to our success. And we sold our first machine 
to a dermatologist um, on Rodeo, like, and his address was 90210. So it shows my age, oh my but you know, we were in the era of Beverly Hills. So when that, I was like, yeah. I've made it. I hadn't yet, but still, I thought, you know. So I think that the idea is to always create something that is needed, right? So for me, there was a need. I knew that Max could be sold in a medical facility, in a spa. It didn't matter. It wasn't replacing anything. It was adding to other things. It was safe. It was easy to use. Um, and then the beauty of it as well is I knew that um, given the opportunity to present it, that it would sell, which it did. But there were times I felt like Will Smith, you know, in the pursuit of happiness with my machines going down the street saying, please buy one. You know, um, but uh, but adapt. You have to, no matter what we do now, if you can adapt to what's happening, it's a very difficult time to be in a business setting. Because as entrepreneurs right now with COVID mm -hmm. and, and whatever is on the way, we need to be able to be intuitive as much as possible and look at what's happening and think, okay, well, if this, you know, if this starts to fizzle, what can I do? Like, what can I fall back on? Because we need a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Because when the recession hit, we could have still sold Maxes. But the problem was the estheticians and all of the people who wanted Max couldn't get financing anymore. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about, can we build it? Can we sell it? No one could get financing. And those days have never come back. Wow. Never, ever, ever, ever come back. So, you know, you have to adapt. So it's, so it was either I stop having a business and I become, you know, anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but I adapted and I said, no, like, and, and the skincare clinic was really a means to an end. Yeah. Okay. If I'm honestly, if I'm reading between the lines here, you mentioned at the beginning, yeah. you were like, oh, we just thought the money would be here forever. We never thought it would stop. We couldn't yes. predict. And then you got to this point and you weren't able to pivot. Did you have a hunch that something like this or like some sort of attack may come onto the business and you were just kind of blind ignorance pushing forward? Or what was that like? It's a bit of everything. I kind of felt this coming and I remember having the conversations internally, but um, we were, we were surrounded by a great team, just, you know, lawyers and the whole thing. Um, and I feel like those around me were more blinded than I was. Hmm. So I seemed to be the, the screamer, like I wasn't, and they would always say I was very emotional, but I am, it's who I am. Like, you know, I, it's my greatest strength and my greatest weakness. It's, it's who I am. And so I would manifest and say, guys, this isn't looking good. I think we need to diversify. We need to maybe not extend so much and we need, we need to switch it around. And it was sort of like, no, we're good. Like we're good. And then when things started going mm -hmm. bad, then everybody's kind of like, oh, and now, you know, in hindsight, I realize I should have been louder. That I should have been, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But I think it's great that it happened yeah. though, because I learned so much. So now I don't really listen to many people. That's a life lesson. That's a life lesson. I was yeah. literally in an interview earlier this morning and I asked this girl what her biggest advice was or like reflecting what she would have done differently. She said the exact same thing. People know in their gut yeah. when there's something off and you have to listen to that intuition yeah. and not be influenced by yeah. other people. For anyone listening to this episode, no. let that be a lesson. Definitely. Yeah. A hundred percent. And now I listen and I, I don't always get lots of love in return, but it's okay. <laughs> That's how you forge your own path. 
Okay. There you go. Really interesting. And so then like you're forced to pivot, right? That's just inevitable. You were not alone in that by any means. Why a clinic and why service-based? No. Well, because I knew I could do that. I I had the knowledge. I knew I, I had done the training. I taught for seven plus years. I had the chemistry down pat. I'm the worst facial facial massage person, though. It's so funny. Really? <laughs> I really, it's not my thing. Oh, yeah. Well, because the way I work is very peculiar. And so I thought, well, I know that will, um, that will bring this kind of momentum of ensuring that we can pay our bills. Um, and I will be able to get my message out of how I view skin and how I think people should be treating their skin. Um, and it was the best decision I ever made because that really paid the mortgage. And so we didn't lose mm-hmm. the house, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And it's something I knew I could do. So I thought, this is great. I have a trade. Yeah, no kidding. And I mean, it worked out. You've built an incredible clientele yeah. for yourself over the years, including yes. Oprah and Michelle Obama, who are two of my <laughs> favorite yeah. people to watch YouTube videos of when I'm having a bad day. Um, and I, I would just love to hear, yeah, oh my gosh, they saved my life. But I would just love to hear what that's been like, building this vast celebrity clientele Mm -hmm. and getting into that world. It's really interesting. I always say it's really difficult to understand, but getting to meet or work with these women is not necessarily impossible. Like, it wasn't something that I set out to do, first of all, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a lot harder to stay. Interesting. So to stay, yes. So it's, you know, I'm not one of those people. So for, I'll give you an example. So I'm going to set the mood. If I was to fly out today, which I wish I was, (laughs) but if I was flying out today to LA and I was going to go see Miss Winfrey, um, the whole flight, I'm filled with so much gratitude. I land, I'm filled with gratitude. I get on property. I take time to smell the flowers. I take time to look at things. And I, I'm seriously like, I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I take every single moment and think to myself, if I never come again, I will mm-hmm. have this. Wow. And so I never go with this idea of like, oh, for sure. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I'm, I take, so every time I go, you know, my running joke is you're only as good as your last facial. <laughs> So, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I really put the the challenge out there for me. So I'm always trying to think of something different, something new I can do on her skin, because at the end of the day, I want her to feel her best. I want her skin to look its best. So it's a lot of pressure that I put on myself. Like no one puts it on me. It's really Mm -hmm. something I do to myself because I take it that seriously, because I feel like when you work with the most influential uh, women of the world. I mean, these women are trailblazers. They're movers. They're shakers. I mean, I got to put my A game right. So I, I think that that's the most challenging part of the job is making sure that you know. So I really use. I really do it like I was if I'm going for a sport competition or the Olympics. <laughs> what I mean, like I, I get. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. It's not just. Um, it's mm-hmm. a whole process. Yeah, it is. Because I really want them to feel and it. That comes- because you feel everything right through the hands as well. So if I'm tired or depleted, Uh-oh. they're going to get that negative energy. So it's, 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 a, it's great. Wow. So much respect for that. And it's really just 
being so serious about your craft and always bringing your A game. Was that something that you kind of inherently knew or was there like a lesson that helped you learn to live your life with gratitude? How did you get to that end point that you are now? I think it's when we had the whole recession and we almost lost everything. And I, I feel that, you know, it's very interesting. Lots of people surround you when you're making a lot of money. And then when all that goes away, those people are almost all gone. And it's fascinating. Uh, it is fascinating. And then you realize, wow, where did all of you go now that we have nothing? <laughs> um, and I realize that oftentimes we, I have this ability to kind of, you know, envision what the future or what I want to, you know, achieve. So I put these goals out for myself and in general, I, I achieve most of what I set myself out to do, but I find that sometimes we forget to celebrate all the small steps and then you get to this point and then this happens and you realize all those missed opportunities that I could have eaten cake Mm -hmm. and I could have put the music louder and I could have walked on the beach and taken an extra day, but I didn't because, you know, you always want that. So I decided after that experience that I would no longer believe in the hustle. I don't believe in hustle. I believe in alignment. I feel like when you're aligned, things will happen. Maybe they won't go exactly how you thought, but what happens is what was meant to be. And if I'm not aligned and it doesn't work out, I'm not going to push it. And every time I achieve something, I drive everyone crazy on my team because I'm a true believer of celebrating. (laughs) So I celebrate all the small wins because Mm -hmm. those small wins bring me to where I need to be. So uh, I feel like even when I, if I'm helping my team shipping products out, every pack I do, I'll be like, thank you so much, Samantha. Or thank you, Emily, or thank you, because I feel like I have to give that energy. I know it sounds silly, but I'm that grateful because every day I'm like, wow, I can't believe people trust me with their skin like, and they're buying my stuff. It's mind blowing. So it, if, when you lose everything, it kind of changes your perspective on how you do business when you move forward. Wow. That is so powerful. I feel like at this, every single thing you say, I'm like, that's a life lesson. That's a life lesson. It's something, honestly, (laughs) my, my dad had to like sit me down and talk to me about this at one point. He's like, you're so, you harbor onto all of the negative feedback you get. And as soon as you get a win, you're moved on. You're already onto the next hurdle. What can we do next? Where can we go? And it's so unhealthy. Like you're going to look back 80 years into your life, God willing, and you're not going to remember any of these momentous occurrences. Like it's, it's just, that is such good life advice when you were pivoting, right. And you're like, okay, I need to just pay the bills. Do you feel like you've carried over anything else from that max experience into other ventures? I think everything to be really honest with you, I think I learned also, and this is actually a lesson I learned with Miss Winfrey. So when I started working with her, I had a tendency, I don't know if it's because we're Canadian, but I had a tendency to apologize for everything. (laughs) anything that you could think of I'd be always like oh I'm so sorry oh sorry and she's like stop apologizing but it was I don't know I'm just like that and um and I remember her saying you need to stop dimming your lights just be just take your space because I always felt because I'm not you know I'm not that person to go around I mean I was working with her for five years before it came out 
because it wasn't my place to say. Oh my gosh. Because I feel like, right, I'm her secret weapon. She doesn't need to share what I do. It's a private thing. So, so it's always a weird, it's a very strange thing. Of course I could go out and, you know, and then, but I'm doing a marathon. I'm talking about alignment. I don't need to do a sprint. Who cares? Like Mm. at the end of the day, you know what I mean? So it's this whole thought process of, and so what I learned was to take my place as a business person, Mm -hmm. like an entrepreneur and, and really share my thoughts on that. Because I find that in this industry, we're often set aside, um, in general, in the beauty world, you know, I, how many times have people told me you mustn't have liked school very much. You mustn't have been too smart. You know, they, all these different little comments, you know, I once had actually been told you should wear your glasses more often. It makes you look smarter. Look makes you look more serious. So I think that there's this whole preconceived notion of what the beauty world is and what you should look like and how you should be. Um, and so for me, it's all about breaking those, those ideas, these, these, what people think and, and just standing in my own truth of who I am. And, you know, it's not always easy Mm -hmm. as a woman or as anybody, but I think that if I own it and I don't try to dim who I am, then at least whatever goes out is my truth and that's okay. And people don't have to like it, you know, at the end of the day. So those are, that's something I brought forward because with Max, I was often told like to be, you know, mm. yeah. right. <laughs> don't share your opinion too much. And so that's wow. something I carried. Yeah. I'm, I now share my opinion. And we love that you do. And we okay. love that you, you know, you're inspiring me to share my opinion more. So I'm that's sure you inspire sure, lots yeah. of others as well. Um, so this makes me curious because we're living in a time of social media where if you're building a brand, you have to have your own personal brand too. It's almost like expected mm-hmm. that you're building that yeah. for yourself and you're a public figure. So what do you think of that as you've seen that kind of grow over the past few years? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I don't post any pictures of my family anymore or my, I do stories on my cats though and my dog sometimes, <laughs> but um, all that to say, it's, it's, it's funny because it's mm-hmm. such a thing now. Like, what is how curated should it be? In my opinion, I feel sometimes it's a bit over the top. I feel like this concept of, you know, I wrote a book. Okay, I wrote a book. It's it's now being translated in different languages. And I'm really looking forward for the English version to be out. And I had a conversation and the editor had said, well, how many followers followers do you have? And I thought, what are we talking about? So my, my knowledge regardless of how it it may be is now being equated to the amount of followers we have on Instagram. It is mind blowing. It, to me, it is just, it makes no sense, but that's just me. Maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. Um, but I feel like, um, for me, I'm, I'm torn between this concept of this overly curated kind of image. I do enjoy following people when they're themselves and they share um, I know that I uh, always think twice now before I have a team who does post and, you know, it's not just me anymore, but um, I kind of miss those crazy days mm-hmm. of just posting, even if it didn't match <laughs> you know what I mean? um, and not caring about how many people like my yeah. picture. Yeah. It's, it's a very weird 
I, I'm not trying to put it down. I think there's a, there's a reason for everything, but it's, it's a, it's a different world. You know what I mean? Can we talk about this alignment? Like you're obviously a very intuitive person. I don't think that's something someone can just turn Mm -hmm. on overnight. Can we talk about what alignment is to you and maybe more importantly, what it's not? Yes. Yes. So, um, it's not about just having this like intuition of, you know, I think for me, um, it's all about kind of having a path. Like, where do I want to be? So I give this class where I make people do take their five senses. Okay. So you're going to think of all your five senses and you want to use those and, and to project where you think you might be in five years. So in five years, where are you? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What would it feel like? What would it taste like? What would you be hearing? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Cause I think you need to involve all of your senses in, in where you think you might be or what you want to do. And then from that moment, when you're working on a project, if that's where really you want to be, you always come back. I always come back and say, well, okay, this is really awesome, but does it have anything to do with where I want to be in so much time? And if it doesn't, then it's a no. So for me, that's part of being aligned because that's where I want to be. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes I don't do a little sidestep or I don't do something else just because it's fun. That's, That's amazing as well. But I really believe in that. And I'm very quick at making sort of um, decisions when I feel like I connect with someone and I think there's something there. I don't always, I, when I align myself, it has nothing to do with money, sadly. I, for me, being successful is this feeling inside that when I go to sleep at night, night I'm proud mm-hmm. of what I've achieved. It doesn't equate to a bank account. So my decisions are very rarely based on how much money am I going to make? How much more can I make? It's always about, because I think that if I do the things that I'm aligned with, that my body wants to move forward with, I'll be more excited. Mm -hmm. I'll be passionate. I'm going to do it with so much more, you know, everything. And I'm not wasting my time on things I don't want to be doing. And by doing that, then the money just follows. I was listening to a podcast with you and Jazz earlier and that's what you were talking about. And you were like, I just met her and I knew instantly. I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know what the business was going to look like. That was just a fit and that was alignment. No, yeah. What was it about her that you were just like, okay, this clicks? Well, when I started telling her, because she didn't really understand what I did for work. She just knew she wanted to come back to live in Montreal. So she's from Montreal and she was living in Nova Scotia. And I explained to her that I had a skincare clinic on the South Shore and that I really wanted to open something in Montreal, but I didn't really know where and I didn't really know when, but I needed to open something and I needed somebody to help manage that space. And would she be down? And she kind of went, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm in for the challenge. Like, and I thought to myself, if you're able to say that over a Skype interview, you're in it. Like, I'm hiring you right away. And to this day, so one time we were in Finland doing a photo shoot um, and before the photo shoot, I said, so like, what, what are you down for or not down for? Cause we were in Lapland. And so it, I always say it's where Santa lives. So we were in Lapland, we're up North, like there's, there's like reindeer and all these things. And it was amazing. We were sleeping in an igloo. So I said, so where do you draw the line? Like what, how crazy can we be on this photo shoot? And she said, listen, if you want me to jump in a frozen lake and kiss a fish, I will. <laughs> And I thought, this is my girl. What a tagline. Ride or die. Like, she's like, yeah, for anything. 
Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, and clearly taking a chance, yeah. it worked out. Yeah. We all need a jazz. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's this thing where we have to trust each other. Right. And I think that as business entrepreneurs, we don't have all the answers and it's important to align yourself with the right people in your team as well that you can trust who will help bring you to that next level, you know? And for me, it was, that was jazz. Mm-hmm. So as you're looking back, are there any, is there anything you would have mm-hmm. done differently? No, honestly, no. There are things I wouldn't have worn, but <laughs> from that, sometimes I look at outfits and go what was I thinking but for the rest honestly I think that I'm where I am because of those decisions so I'm good yeah oh my gosh if if your outfits are the only thing you can point back to and be like oh what was I thinking you're in a really good spot (laughs) okay I want to flip it a little bit yeah I want to flip it a little bit and I want to ask what are you the most proud of Okay, so there's two things I have to say because they're like very close. So one of the things I'm the most proud of is that when I first met Miss Winfrey, I showed up as myself. Mm. That is huge. Yeah. I could not. I I had choices. I think I would be crying, hyperventilating. I don't know. I had choices in my mind. Who do I want to be today? Like, how am I going to be? And I was like, you know what? Be yourself. So if she likes you, it's for you and you're good. Um, and I would say that the, my second thing that I was the proudest is, um, you know, in my career, I missed a lot of dance recitals. I missed a lot of things for the kids, the girls, they're, they're all grown now, but I still was so busy with stuff. And, um, the second thing was bringing them to the white house. Um, that to me was like, okay, so I wasn't always there, but because of all these sacrifices we all made, you get to meet the Obamas and you get to visit the White House and Merry Christmas. So yeah, so that it was for Christmas holiday. So that to me was, it was sort of like, and see, again, none of those things pay the bills. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it's the heart. It's, Mm -hmm. it's something I'll remember for the rest of my life and seeing my daughter's faces and getting talked, uh, you know, having a private talk, each of them with Mrs. Obama and them giving and her giving them advice and telling them to listen to their mom. So that was that to me was and and just to finish off, my husband knows I do a lot of great things, but he doesn't travel with me, right? So sometimes you come home and you you experience all these great things by yourself. But I got to bring him to the White House as well, and he got to meet Mr. Well, the, the President, Mr. Obama. Um, and he said to my husband, he said, "Do you know how much we love?" you know, your wife and how amazing she is. And my husband started to cry. So those would be my top three things that I'm the most proud of. Are you kidding me? I'm going to yeah. cry. That's insane. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I was like, yes. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. Was, oh my gosh. Yeah. That is so special. It makes all this it, it, really it. it really did for me. It was sort of like, okay, check. Yeah. You're not yeah. crazy, check. Yeah, you no didn't go kidding. to law school. That's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. Wow. And I think what's so amazing is yeah. this success has largely come, yes, because you know a ton about skincare, but also just because you've always been true mm-hmm. to yourself and you've shown up as yourself. I think that's probably yeah. 
the biggest differentiator yeah, between you I know why so. why you're Oprah's so. go-to girl. <laughs> and I also mm-hmm. can I just can I point out that not once have you said the word the names Oprah or Michelle, Miss Winfrey mm-hmm. and Mrs. Obama. Yes. That level of respect, yes. I just yeah, that's another life lesson yet again. Yeah, for me it's really it's that to yeah. And it's interesting because I know that with uh, Mrs. Obama, I remember once we had a conversation about skincare and um, and and the book because, you know, I, I wanted them to know I was writing a book. It had nothing to do with them per se, like it's about skin, but mm-hmm. I still thought it was important that they know and all this stuff. And she was like, and I said, you know, because I don't want it to be misconstrued. And she was like, but it's true. It's true. Like what you do is true. And I want you to share that with the world. And I think that that's amazing. And, you know, you need to do this. And it's, it's so amazing to work with women who really honestly encourage and empower other women. Wow. So it's not just something they say, it's really honestly um, something that they do. So when Mrs. Winfrey, you know, asked and put me in favorite things, that that gesture of putting peony in favorite things in 2016 literally changed my life. Like who does that for someone? That's wow. just amazing. It's just amazing. It literally changed my life, you know? And so that's something that I, I never want to take for granted. Mm-hmm. So the respect I have for them, for what they've done for me and what they do for so many other people around the world, I think it's, it's, yeah, the respect is 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 up there. Respect and gratitude. If this episode isn't a lesson in doing yeah, your gratitude exercises, I don't yeah. know what is. <laughs> you guys should see my goosebumps. <laughs> okay, well, I I can't imagine even wanting to wrap this conversation. I have learned so much and honestly, this is just like I honestly feel like light attracts light and that's exactly you and that's why you have all these relationships with people and why I've never heard a single bad thing about you and your brand and I just think that's so special and I need to know we think you get it who Mm -hmm. do you think gets it who inspires you oh my goodness so many people inspire me um Oh my goodness. I can't even start. There's so many women who inspire me daily. I I don't know where to start, to be honest with you. Um, But so many people inspire me from the women who stay home and take care of their kids, Mm -hmm. you know, who choose that path, which is not an easy path to the women who decide to leave an abusive relationship to the woman who, you know, uh, takes that step of courage and does something for herself. It's everyday women and men who inspire me and who make me want to do more. So it's not really one person per se. It's this collective of, of people who do things. And I'm always inspired and in awe of what humans can do. When we rally together for the good, it's incredible. Like we can do so many great things. And I'm hopeful that through COVID and once this is over, that we will not forget do you know what I mean? And we'll be more helpful towards each other. Mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about that one, but I'm hopeful. I, I really am hopeful that we are going to learn that as a collective, we can make a difference. We can't wow. just think of ourselves. It's not enough. We can't. Wow. No. That's all there is to it. Oh, this has just been a breath of fresh air conversation. And it was a hectic day. And now I just feel lovely. 
So thank you so much for coming on. I know our audience is going to love this too. And it is honestly just an honor uh, to get to chat with you today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. This is great. Well, isn't that just a breath of fresh air? That was such a fun conversation with Jennifer. We love her so much. And she's just someone that you can get on a Skype call with for the first time and instantly feel connected to. She's got that energy. I, I could pick probably 30 things that she said that really resonated with me. I think the number one is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's this idea of the founder of a business, right? The person really like steering the ship and their ability to pick up on things and to kind of sense and feel it out and understand when there are potential threats. And I think one thing that Jennifer talked about is pre-2008 crisis, she had some of these alarm bells and people were dismissing her being like, oh, you're just emotional or, oh, it's, you know, we're making money, we're fine. And I think there's a lesson in there for anyone, whether you're an entrepreneur or just, you know, a human being living your life, you're, you're constantly picking up on these little cues. And at a certain point, we owe it to ourselves to listen. Mm-hmm. Trust your gut and don't let people tell you you're emotional. Like, do your own thing. Show up how you are in a way that feels authentic to you. I absolutely love that. And I think just the idea of gratitude and the way you show up to an interaction will ultimately influence, obviously it influences how they're going to perceive you and but also what you get in return and like as individuals we all have this opportunity to show up in a way that is kind and gracious and it was just such a good reminder for me and I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did and if you did subscriptions to our podcast and ratings and reviews really help us out so if you could do that we would be forever grateful we would have gratitude we would have so much gratitude, just so like Jennifer grateful. taught us. Yep. And until next week, have a beautiful week, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. <laughs>